Hello, and welcome to the Liberty Blues podcast. Um, today we have, uh, well, I'm Sean Osborne. And I'm John Phillips. And today we have Lucy Britton. Uh, she's running for, it's vice chair of uh, the Indiana Libertarian Party, right? Correct. And you also ran for, was it for Senate? That is correct. I was the United States Senate candidate from Indiana for the Libertarian Party in both 2016 and 2018. Nice. Any plans to do that again or just focusing on the chair? No, no. Um, in fact, that's, that is the one poison pill is that when I win vice chair, I will not be running as a candidate for four years. We have a much uh, bigger plan in place. That's good. So, uh, Listen, I like to ask people when they come on uh, first, like, uh, what what brought you to uh, be a libertarian over there in that deep old red state? Ah, you know, that's that is actually a funny story. My mom had friends that were the crazy fun friends, and I found out that they were libertarians. So that, of course, left a great impression on me. Um, uh, and then, you know, I was, I was brought up, obviously, in a Republican state, very conservative. I actually grew up Mormon, which is another whole story, although I'm not Mormon anymore. Mm -hmm. um, it just seemed to be the right way. You know, when I looked at how do I want to, to treat people, how do I want to be treated, what do I think is fair and just, I kept coming back to libertarianism. And so although I married my husband in 1991, so this is 30 years of marriage, it's so crazy to think I'm that old, mm -hmm. um, and we had our first child in 91, um, I was a libertarian even then, um, and I first ran for office in 1995. So, Oh, nice. Yeah, so I was one of those, I, I was a libertarian, I didn't even know it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people out there, and that's that's hopefully what we'll get the get people to hear this and understand that that you know libertarian just means be yourself and leave people alone, kind of. You know, that's pretty much the basis of my philosophy right there. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what what made you want to run for vice chair? Um, actually, very inspirational. The gentleman Evan McMahon that's running for chair good buddy right, of mine got him coming up on the podcast too okay that i won't i won't steal his thunder but i'll tell yeah. you he's real very quality individual very smart has more experience than any other libertarian i've ever met and um, when we were talking about this he he and i talked about me running for vice chair and um and being willing to step back from running as a candidate which is a lot of fun i know some mm -hmm. people don't like the campaign trail but for me there's nothing more exciting than getting up and debating republicans and democrats that's <laughs> really my jam but i'm turned 50 this year and my husband and i have 10 children and three grandchildren and you know what is the legacy is the legacy to get up and yap in front of some debates or is the legacy to really move the needle for liberty by putting in a structure and an organizational um you know mindset and really going you know county by county supporting the local people giving them a, um i keep saying the word structure but it's really true i mean libertarians are a bunch of feral cats running around but if mm -hmm. we get some direction we might actually get something done um and so that's that's what we're really focusing on yeah, that's cool. Um, like, um, what, what are your, like, what would you say are your plans for, uh, growing the party in Indiana and getting out to more Republicans or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, getting people to run for office. Yeah, I'm a salesperson by profession. And so for me, this is a marketing and sales question. Some will, <laughs> some won't. So who's next? And that we know that we're not getting the far left. 
We know yeah. we're not getting this far right. You know, one wants to steal our money. The other wants to tell us what to do in the bedroom. And I'm not cool with either of those things. Yeah. And so the, the real disaffected voter, that person that doesn't even vote, that's so lost hope, that doesn't identify with either the left or the right, uh, that's, that's my focus. And I think mm-hmm. that's the biggest majority to go after. And grabbing those people is what will move the needle. Because the, the, the far left, the far right, they're going to vote the way that they will. And they're going to vote for people along party lines, even if they tell you privately, God, you're a great candidate. I wish I could vote for you, but I can't do it because if I vote for you, then, you know, the red guy wins and the red mm-hmm. people tell you, but if I vote for you, the blue guy wins. And I'm like, why are you guys so hung up on colors? Yeah. <laughs> so um, what would you say is like uh, the, one of the plans you have to, to, to grow? Like, how do you want to reach out to, to Hoosiers to, to do that? Yeah. Great like, question. To actually join the party couple of different things. Um, one is ground game, and that means affiliating every county in Indiana. Um, Evan will tell you what he's done here in the last couple of months, um, and it's phenomenal. I think he now has 42 counties out of 92 affiliated, might even be 44, um, and even revived some counties um, that had that had fallen by the wayside. So the first thing is to even have a libertarian in every county. Um, now, the second thing, and this is Evan's vision, which I'm fully on board with, is the idea of winning the local races and making sure that no race is ever run unopposed and because that happens a lot. And so Evan has already recruited over a hundred candidates for next year. And um, we're, we have 138, I think that are upcoming races that we need to run. Cause it's an off year. It's, it's uh, not mm-hmm. a presidential year. By the time we get to a presidential year, we need to fill over 1500 slots with candidates. And so that is ground game. It is very much, um, like I said, a sales equation, and it's also like church. We have got to be appealing to these people, and we have to create the friendships and the relationships so that people will know that you know we're just like them, and mm-hmm. we want the same things. And if you're really sick and tired of the way things have been going and it's time to make a change, jump in with us and be at the forefront of it. Who, who's, the, who's the vice chair right now? Uh, Aaron Pyle. Uh-huh. And he's just, uh, he's, uh, it's a, she, and she's oh, phenomenal. She, oh. Yes. She is phenomenal. Yeah. Is she just, uh, is she moving on to do something else like run for office or, uh, moving States. We're going to oh, lose her. States. which We're very sad to do. It's a good thing what's, for her. What State's gaining her? Then? Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. How's, how's the libertarian party over there? You know, I don't know. Perhaps we should find out who are you gonna have on yeah. your podcast next time from Virginia. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm working on a couple of people from Kentucky next after Oh uh, man, Kentucky's Evan. on fire. I am yeah. I live in southern Indiana and uh-huh. I'm so proud of my friends in Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, I was I I, I liked watching the Brad Bear and uh Yes. Race. Hi. Thanks for listening to the Liberty Blues Network. Make sure and check out all three podcasts on our network. We have The Liberty Blues a progressive and a libertarian walk into a bar and libertarian Los Angeles. Let us know what you think of the podcast and rate, review, follow, or whatever you can, wherever you listen. Thanks. Now back to the show. Yeah. Hey, John, did you have anything in particular you wanted to ask? I know you were talking yeah, about you. Um, just about, um, selecting candidates to run for office. I know Rainwater did really well. As yes. governor. And if Libertarians could catch a party like that, it would be, it'd be obviously big, huge right. uplift party. But at the same time, 
you know, the governorship in Indiana is relatively weak. It's a weak governorship, and and that's pretty limited in terms of power. Um, you know, what what I've been advocating for through other people that we've talked about on the podcast is I think the most powerful position that I learned in law school was the Marion County prosecutor because yes. that has the ability to indict and investigate um, what both the political parties are doing in Marion County. And so if you are the elected official in Marion County, you can investigate Republicans and Democrats because I think they do collude in some ways to oh, yeah. keep keep the libertarians off bill and off the ballot. And so there's we, still, Yeah, we just had a, a bill that was yeah. specifically designed to, to punish us for our success. Right. And so it'd be great to have someone in that position to investigate those two parties about that sort of thing. So um, that's kind of my yeah. piece of um... I'll tell you what, with with the pandemic and Rainwater is, I mean, he's a good buddy of mine. He is such a strong candidate. He's eloquent. He's smart. He plays very well in a red state because like me, he's pro-life. What's what's interesting is that uh, the number of people that had enough confidence to vote for Don in spite of everything that was going on, in spite of the fear mongering. And so, you know, we got over 12 percent statewide. Don did. But then I think there were 22 or 24 counties where Don was second. And so when you come in second, that makes you the second major party in that county. That's yeah, kind that's of amazing. That is re- I just can't even tell you how significant that is. Now, with Indiana law, in order for us to be you know, participating in primaries, we've got to have two things. And one is 10 percent in the, in the secretary of state race. Um, which typically we're seeing about 4% in that historically. Um, but we only need to get 2%. And that was why they they'd had that ballot measure. So they had a bill that said we'd have to collect 5,000 signatures in each district, which was really going to be 4,500 signatures. And we've got a great Republican up in the north in Goshen. His name is Kurt Nisley, N-I-S-L-Y. Love him and his wife, Mary. They are... Um, very freedom-minded, and he takes a lot of flack from Republicans up north. And he actually introduced a bill, that, in, or an amendment to the bill, that instead of having 4,500 signatures, um, we would only need 4,498. <laughs> and the reason he did that is because the guy that I ran against in 2016, the Republican that won, whose name is Todd Young, he didn't have enough signatures in one of the counties, and they just overlooked it. And so that was Kurt Nisley's nod to showing just, you know, how ludicrous <laughs> this is. And we really, we really appreciate Kurt for that. So luckily that's been defeated. We're really focused on maintaining our ballot status. Um, we've had ballot access in Indiana since 1994. So any Indiana folks that are listening, please go to lpin.org and join the 1994 Society um, in reference to us winning ballot access in 94. Please financially support that effort. Can't underestimate how great that is. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. I live in a very rural area down in southern Indiana. I think we have 200 people in my town. So my family with 10 kids and three grandkids and a son-in-law, uh, I mean, we literally increased the, the town population by five, you know, five percent, <laughs> maybe even more. Um, but I went to a mask burning party or what was going to be a mask burning party at a local winery, two miles, three miles from my house. And they were rainwater voters. And they've got this huge extra room in their winery, and they're like, now tell us, what are the libertarian colors? Because they're decorating the room now that they know that it's yellow. Um, oh, that would be their, nice. their base paint color. Yeah, first miracle winery. I've got to give them a shout out. Um, yeah, as I was say, yeah, 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 you got to throw that out there so people go yeah. there and check it out. That's cool. Yep. Yep. They are rainwater voters. And um, just now, of course, they split their presidential 
there's presidential ballot. They split for Trump. But that's okay. We'll take the governorship. A lot of people made that decision to yeah. uh, vote for Trump as president and then then take that down to Don Rainwater. When we have that that strength that flows down to down ballot candidates, that's that's really where it's significant. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, so what uh, what other um, what other like uh, projects would you say uh, you want to do in the next like how, how long is the term for two years? Yeah, two years. Um, like, what what what's your major uh, things you would like to to do over those two years? The like, major, uh, yeah, that's a great question. The major thing is affiliates in every single county, and um, standard operating procedures and training manuals. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of the training manuals. Yes, um, we were talking about this on the way up. In fact, I'm in Lake County, Indiana, right now for their convention tonight. So I took a break from that to come and and talk to you, oh, and on the you. way up. I- you're very welcome. I'm pleased to do so. Um, that was the talk between um, Evan and Jeff Moore and I. The whole way up is, you know, what are we doing? How are we growing this? What kind of training? And Evan made that remark of, hey, you know, we just got to assume that people don't know anything. And a challenge, um, I think, often is two things. Libertarians tend to be introverted. The type of person that becomes a libertarian is a deep thinker that often um, becomes somebody who is more introverted um, than the rest of the population, and they are more reticent to you know, make those kind of um, social risks, I would say. Mm-hmm. And I am the odd-out libertarian, as is my husband, where we're super extroverts. I've never met a stranger. I don't <laughs> You know, I talk to everybody about everything. I strike up conversations with everybody everywhere, but that's not the norm. And in order for this to work, it has to duplicate. We have to be able to duplicate what are the steps to success? How do you approach your neighbor? You know, right now it's pretty socially risky because we're the outlier. You know, we're five or 6% of the population that recognizes themselves as libertarian and probably another 30 or 40% that just don't know that they are. And those are those people in, you know, in the middle that are disgusted. And so how do we teach people to reach them? Well, if you're a member of a church, you probably have a door greeter. And that person at some point had to learn how to glad hand people and to welcome them in and to find out one or two common bonding points, um, you know, something that they like. And then the magic happens when you take them to another person and you pass them off. Hey, you like baking, you know, or, or, or something like that. Um, let me go introduce you to Mary because she really loves to bake. And now you've got another church member that has the responsibility for being that ambassador. And we need to have that sort of a structure here. Yeah, that, that's funny you mentioned the church. Uh, I was in a libertarian group. Uh, I think it was for, I got, I can't remember uh, what group it was in. I think it was a George Orgerson one. And somebody friended me who was from my hometown that I didn't know. And she ends up, she goes to church with one of my friends. And I, wow. you know, I was like, how, how, how'd she find me out? I was like, I, so I, I texted my friend, told her, oh, man, you got a libertarian in your church. You got to go talk to her. <laughs> so uh, that, uh, it was, it was uh, you know, I told, and I told her, I said, man, you got to get on, uh, get on my friend Casey and tell her to go, uh, you know, start voting gold. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and that's a good point. There are people that are hidden. They're your neighbors mm-hmm. and you don't even know. Mm-hmm. Now, our neighbors, when we bought the house um, down south, we had a Gary Johnson sticker because that was mm-hmm. back in like 2016. Yeah. And um, he said, oh, are you guys those, com- are you some of those communists? And I'm like, <laughs> no, we're like literally the opposite. Um, yeah, yeah. So that tells me that we have a marketing message 
uh, that we need to change. And yeah, I had I I had somebody tell me not to post my liberal shit on his page anymore, and I was I was like, <laughs> oh, I was I was like, oh man, you couldn't be any more wrong if you tried. Oh, I know. Did you get a Republican telling you the same thing in the same day? Because you know that's yeah, like, yeah. It's funny. I had like a winning. Republican jump in and say Sean's no Sean's no uh, liberal. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and you got to yeah, piss off like, a Republican. No, that, that, yeah. Please don't call me that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is that that those are fighting words right there. Or as yeah. we'd say, them's fighting words. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's um, Indiana has historically been very very strong um, in the liberty movement, and there for years and years and years we were one of the states that people looked up to as being well organized. Um, and this is something that I understand now that I'm 50 that I didn't understand back in 95 when I was 24. And that is the concept of training your replacements and how do you force multiply? You know, everyone <laughs> needs to be training two or three and, and really growing this organically. And I would laugh and say, well, you know, my husband, Dorn and I, we've done our part because I've given birth to 10 children. So, you know, I've done my part for the Liberty Movement. <laughs> I've only got <laughs> one kid, you know, she's a freshman in college and she might be a little bit more on the socialism scale, but yeah. only because she hasn't had a real job where they've stolen from her yet, right? <laughs> <laughs> That'll wake That's, up pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. I had an older daughter. She's um, beautiful, smart. She has a degree in sociology and mm -hmm. she went to a very, very liberal school. Um, for mm -hmm. college and a very liberal high school as well. And uh, for a long time, I was like really afraid she was going to be a socialist. But then, you know, once she, once she had all that money taken out of her paycheck, she <laughs> realized that um, she still wants to help people, but it should be voluntary. Yeah. She's, yeah. She's not on, she's on board with helping people, but not on board with, with it coming through the, you know, the, the government's gun, so to speak. So, yeah. So that's what we're doing in Indiana. We are re going to reclaim our place. As That's the nice. rightful heir, I mean, and we got to really compete with Pennsylvania. They're doing some amazing things. Steve Sheets and those guys out in Pennsylvania—they're they're getting people on the ballot. Their their parties, you know, the party's growing by leaps and bounds. So we've got our work cut out for us. Yeah, you know, here in Los Angeles, we got to grow them pretty big too. You know, uh, and it's getting really organized. We got a lot of stuff going on. So, you know, it's it's funny because a lot of people just don't think of Los Angeles as being a a libertarian kind of place, but you know, it. it I think, as you said, a lot of people are realizing they're libertarian when they realize that the Democrats or the Republicans don't have any um, any uh, intent on helping out people. Right. And and that's another thing I think coming with age is I can say to people, you know, look, well, first of all, I was born in 71 and so is the Libertarian Party. So I don't think that's a coincidence. Isn't that nice? <laughs> <laughs> it is. I can claim that. But, you know, I look at people and I say, look, in my lifetime, We've had the Democrats in charge. In my lifetime, we've had the Republicans in charge. And I, I think there's I think it's really easy to demonstrate that it doesn't matter what jacket your oppressor is wearing, whether they're wearing a red jacket, whether they're wearing a blue jacket, they've just switched bad cop, good cop on you. And mm -hmm. now it's time for the other guy to play bad cop. It's really, really obvious. Have you seen Larkin Rose's um, video, The Jones Plantation? No. Okay. Um, you've got to, you've got to listen to that immediately because it really gets to the heart of, um, the deception between where you think you have a choice and you think you aren't a slave brilliantly written. Um, and it's only about a seven minute video. He is now turning that into a, like a feature length film. Oh. And I don't know, now you're from LA, so you might even know, I don't know the name of the director, um, but he's supposed to be like a legit voluntarist anarcho-capitalist type guy. I guess, he, do you know Jeff Berwick from dollarvigilante.com? No, I don't think so. 
Okay, uh, Jeff. Uh, so Jeff Berwick puts on this event called Anarchapulco. So uh, every year they go down. Yeah. Yeah, so this is the type of guy that, that I think he's even been a speaker at Anarchapulco, but I don't remember his name. Uh-huh. So I'll like send it to you privately later if I remember it. Yeah, that'd be But anyway, great. like a real legit Hollywood director is doing Larkin's film. There's a lot of fundraising that, that went on for oh, that. Oh, nice. Um, and so they'll turn the Jones Plantation um, into it. Have you seen, well, you've probably seen Stefan Molyneux's um, video yeah. or listened to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I give that to people all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the story of your enslavement for anybody that doesn't know what that is. Uh, that's a beautiful short 14 minutes to really show you that there's hope, which is important in this movement. Yeah, yeah, that's true. How do you Did you have any other questions, up? John? I can't think of any. Yeah, um, let me ask you, John, how do you keep your chin up? You know, we are facing all kinds of opposition. How do you maintain hope for yourself that there is something that we can do to actually affect what's going on? Well, my, my kids are much smarter than I am. So, you know, I, I think I love my grandparents. Um, I, my parents, you know, my grandparents were the greatest generation, probably. They defeated Hitler. Um, my parents' generation, I think I'm the same age as you. My parents' generation, the baby boomers, they've yep. really let the country down. And so it's really been since then that the country has taken a nosedive. Um, but fortunately, I, I, I know that, um, you know, a lot of people, this younger generation, the millennials, are 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 pretty liberal and even communist. You know, they're behind Bernie Sanders and that sort of thing. But I think there is a way that it sort of overlaps. It doesn't have to be like a, you know, the political spectrum doesn't have to be a straight line. It does wrap around the back. You know, Bernie Sanders, you could say he's the most, you know, a, a communist, socialist, or whatever. But when he's compared to the Republican Party, he's not advocating going out there and fighting a war. Uh, on 19 different con- uh, right. 19 different- so uh, they have that in common and then they're against crony capitalism yes so, given the choice between the two i don't know that socialism socialism is worse than crony capitalism uh, i don't think that socialism is the way um but i think that they're probably smart enough to figure it out because they're certainly smarter than me and way smarter than my parents and and so hopefully they'll figure it out yeah i think that's um I think that's really smart of you to point out what's going on with the kids because I'm, I grew up in the seventies. I graduated from high school in 89. So it would have been about 1984 or so that I was a freshman. And that's when they really started introducing outcome-based education. So are you familiar with that term? It's really, yeah. Mm -hmm. So the outcome-based education, this, this might fascinate you. I first um, read about it in a book called educating for a new world order. I'd be educating for the new world order. I think the author is BK Eekman, but I like literally led, read this back in like 91 or two. I mean, it was a long time ago, but what I took away from that book was the horror of the familiarity of how I had, um, how I'd been educated or really more brainwashed in high school. And I'll give you an example. Um, So one of the famous things that is an outcome-based education is about taking away your moral compass and instead inserting moral relativity. For example, in my English class, we had a thought experiment and that thought experiment was divide the class. You got 11 people in a group. You're all on a boat. Each boat can only hold 10 people. Each person is assigned, you know, one's a pastor, one's an attorney, one's a doctor, one's a mom. Each person has their own role. And you're supposed to go around and sell the other people on the idea that you're not the one that should be thrown out of the boat. Horrifying. Life of ethics. Yeah. Yes. 
Yes, the lifeboat story. Yeah, you've heard of yeah. it. So, you know, my my question was, well, can we have one person, you know, if there's 24 hours in a day, can we put one person overboard for two hours at a time and then swap everybody out? Everybody takes <laughs> their two hours. You know, why, why do we have to decide with the rules? That's why I didn't fare well in public education. So... <laughs> Because there are other options, you know, anyway, there are lots of other options other than just deciding which member of, of the boat should be killed. Um, and so when I look at that, I'm 50. So then we got all the, you know, the 25 to 35 year olds that were fully indoctrinated and had this type of moral relativism instilled in them. And, you know, the lack of history I mean, I don't feel like I got adequate history at all in the public education system in Indiana. Um, and so what they're doing now with the kids, and we do homeschool our kids now. We've had them in public school. We've had them in private Christian school. We've had them homeschooled. We've had them in country schools. We've had them in suburban schools. Um, but there's no way that I can let them go back into the public public school anymore, um, so especially after this I whole pandemic thing. One thing I find disappointing about public schools you know, it astonishes me how people don't know the rights because I'm a criminal defense attorney. And so I, I meet people continually and they'll say, I know my rights. And the truth is you don't know your rights because you don't <laughs> really have any rights. Um, you know, the Fourth Amendment's been deteriorated so bad that yes. you really don't have a lot of, right, a lot of rights. And you don't even, you haven't been educated to know how to fight for your rights. And um, you, you don't you don't know much about it. And I I didn't really learn that. I learned it in law school. I didn't learn it any any basic citizenship or civics, you know, as a as a high school student. And no one that I went to school with did apparently. So it's pretty sad. Yeah. Well, I think if you're going to train people, um, or if you're going to have a slave class, it's very important that they be trained in a certain way. Um, you know, just like slaves were kept, you know, illiterate. I mean a lot of society is functionally illiterate. And I don't even care that they've been so-called college educated, that they have college degrees. Mm. They don't have the critical thinking skills to even understand. Yeah, they got what a participation award. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said too for, you know, the the type of brainwashing that goes on with television. And I've got to believe that that Sean, that you know about this being in LA with subliminal messaging oh, yeah. and the pulse rate of, of the flicker rate. Um, I've, I've understood that, um, you know, theta waves versus alpha waves. And, you know, I mean, all of that goes back to Edward Bernays, you know, the father of modern advertising slash brainwashing. Mm. Yeah, it is. It, 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 and it's constant too. It's like, you know, big brothers just got his screen and they're telling you the same story over and over and over again. You know, yeah, uh, absolutely. The repetition division. I, I tell people all this last year, I said, you know, you know, Republicans and Democrats are fighting every place. The only place I see them getting along is in, in libertarian rooms. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> right. you know, they're saying they're talking about how much they're sick of all this. So, yeah, that that is a really good point. And I think you have to think about, you know, if our society is a pyramid and we have the uh, the elite people at the top and the you know the great unwashed masses here at the bottom. How do you get ahead? How do you climb that pyramid? How do you get into, you know, being an attorney or an elected official or, you know, something that's not just a workaday job? Mm -hmm. And the answer is, um, and I'm, I'm going to, I'm really going to hit hard on doctors for this because people think doctors are so smart. Um, and I've birthed, you know, most of my kids at home and eight out of 10 of them were, were born with midwives. So I really hit on doctors hard. Most of the doctors that you see, they're just the best repeaters. 
you, you read something that you're given, you repeat it, and you are rewarded for repeating it. So I call it read, regurgitate, get rewarded. And so what should be the brightest thinkers in our society are actually the people who are most brainwashed, who have been most instilled with the party line. And yeah, yeah. Mm, there, uh, I was reading, um, God, I don't know if it was in Rothbard's um, The Great Depression or one, it was some book I was reading recently, you know, good libertarian literature talking about, you know, the uh, the educated liberals and the way they think about things. You know, they really they're really kind of, you know, they're, they're kind of lost in that sense. You know, they yeah. uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I, the road to hell's paved with good intentions a lot with them. It is. And let's talk about that since you're in California. What the heck is up with Silicon Valley? We have all these crony capitalists that are Marxist socially. Yeah. How, how do they resolve that in their own mind? I don't have any idea. Yeah, you know, this this whole state's just it's it, it's run by lunatics. Yeah. Yeah. When are you moving? Or can yeah. you move to I, music? I'm too stubborn. You know, I moved from Indiana to here, and you know, so I'm I'm here. I, I guess I just like an, uh, a fight. So, so. Uh, you don't want to come back to the snow and the mud. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know the truth. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just you know. I just, I, I've grown accustomed to the place, so I'm, I'm willing to fight for it. So, and, yeah, and God, yeah, God bless you if you can actually live out there. It's so darn expensive. Yeah, it really is. Um, but you know, like I said, you know, since I've gotten active over here in the in the LP, you know, I found a lot of people who, you know, who who think like me, and we're really growing the party a lot here. So it's a lot of fun, you know, meeting a lot of new people. Uh, and I'm a musician, so I want to. I'm I'm really looking forward to when I can get out and start playing some, uh, you know, protest music, libertarian style at some of these events. Like I'm working on uh, like Woody Guthrie style music, but I took all the socialism out. <laughs> Thank you for removing the socialism. Yeah, yeah, I said I want to work on a project called if, Liber if Woody was a libertarian. So, oh, that's funny. That's yeah. Good. So, yeah, this should be pretty fun. So, um, I guess before we uh, sign out here, did you want to give out any information about where they can, uh, you know, how to sign up for the LP Indiana or how to get active? Yeah, absolutely. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, we would love it if you would sign up at LPIN.org. Our state convention is coming up in three weeks. I think it's the 26th, 27th, and 28th, so that Friday, Saturday, and Sunday weekend. Um, and you know what? Our business meeting is free, and you can come to it even if, um, you, know, even if you do nothing else. Come to that. That'll be in Fishers, Indiana. Um, unless they shove us off, unless they shove us back and make us go back online. Uh, we'll see how that goes, but definitely hit LPIN.org. Please follow me at Lucy for Liberty on Facebook. Um, I haven't been banned there yet, I guess, because I'm not <laughs> effective enough. Because <laughs> if I were effective, they would have banned me already. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, the most important thing is to get people in your local community, start having meetings, you know, in your home, at the library, at church, just start getting like-minded people together. Because as the, as the internet censorship and canceling um, gets worse and worse, we're going to need to know who our neighbors are. Because yep. at some point, we're going to band together and fight Big Brother. Yeah. It's coming. Yes, indeed. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I'd like to invite you back, you know, in a, maybe in a few weeks or a month or something, let us know how it went and, you know, see what's going on with the party over there. You know, that would uh, be fantastic. Let's yeah. Let's talk in April after, uh, after we know whether or not I'm vice chair, I have a, a, somebody running against me. Who's a very, very good gentleman, very kind gentleman, but I want to win. Yeah. yeah. Morgan is a gem. He is a really yeah. good dude and we like each other and we support yeah, that's each nice. other. 
No, no, but somebody's got to win. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you very much. And I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening to the Liberty Blues and we'll see you on the next episode.